Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. We are so thrilled that you're here today. Today is Father's Day, so we're celebrating our fathers. And so, uh, guys, we, we were trying to figure out a way just to honor you. And um, I was going to have you stand up, but that's not a good idea for a couple of reasons. You might be like a really, really young father, and you might have like a little bitty thing in your arms, and it wouldn't be right to have you just stand up. And so uh, that's not good. And then, of course, some of your fathers are so old that you have trouble standing up, and so that's not good either. And uh, the other problem that we have is, is dad noises, right? Uh, you guys know this. Every time a dad stands up, there are noises that are made, right? You have to. It's like, ugh. You just got to gotta let everyone know that you're standing up. And so uh, we just decided we'll forego all that. We'll honor our dads this way. Just make it easy on you. If you're a father in the room, would you just raise your hand? We just want to appreciate you. And uh, thank you, guys. We love you. Uh, thanks for all that you do. Uh, for all of us, uh, we, we couldn't do life without you guys, and thank you for always being there for us. Now, uh, with that all being said, like I said, today is uh, Father's Day, and uh, so that's our subject. Dads, we are very, very thankful for you, and like I said, we are celebrating dads today. And this is just a, a side note for dads. I wasn't really planning this, and I want to show you something. Our background for our Happy Father's Day is actually a pegboard full of tools, and I'm just going to take the front of it off here real quick and show you our background, because dads will understand this, right? Uh, To me, this is very foreign, because I raised two sons, and if this was a picture of my pegboard, it would be a picture of a bunch of outlines where the tools used to be. Any dads with me on that? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, uh, no, but uh, this, is, uh, this is just a fun background for us as fathers today. Speaking of kids, I want to share something with you before we move on. Uh, because so many of you have been so faithful to Mountain View Fellowship. You've been giving uh, just faithfully over the years. And I, I want you to know that we're trying our best to be great stewards of what you entrust to us. And so a few weeks ago, uh, we spent about uh, $18,000 to send a bunch of uh, junior high students off to camp this year. And it was more expensive this year just because of fuel and food and all kinds of things. But I, let me share with you just kind of what happened. Uh, we sent uh, 31 uh, junior high students and seven adults down to Glorieta, New Mexico for Christ in Youth Camp. It's CIY is what they call it. And it's MIX, uh, which is the junior high version for uh, for our junior high, our move, which is for our high school, will be happening in a couple of weeks. But we sent these guys down a couple of weeks ago, and I just want to share with you what happened because I'm just, I just love this stuff. Uh, out of those 31 kids, we had four students receive Christ for the very first time while we were down there at camp. And we had, yeah, uh, we had 15 recommit themselves, just say, hey, I'm going to get serious about my faith. I want to make sure that I'm doing what God wants me to do in my life. And then if you were here last Saturday night during Summer Family Adventure, the celebration service, the baptisms, you got to see two of those students baptized last week. And uh, schedules work out. We'll have another four or six of them being baptized at the next celebration service. And so uh, that's, 
That's definitely worth celebrating. So let me just say this. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all your support, for continuing to be generous and helping us in, in all the ministries here at Mountain View Fellowship. I want you to know, man, there's some great things. And I love this because this gives me so much hope for the kingdom, for the church, for, uh, for our country. And so uh, I hope that you'll keep them in your prayers. Uh, also today, like I said, it's... Um, Father's Day, so I want to encourage you, grab your Bibles, head over to Acts chapter 10. We're going to take a look at eight verses right there, right off the bat this morning. Um, as you're headed over there, let me just tell you, I was doing some research, looking at some different things for Father's Day. I ran across this newspaper up in Minnesota that thought it would be clever for Father's Day to go into the local school, and they just asked kids to write down their thoughts about their fathers, and a, and a few of them just really caught my attention. They were just great. One kid said, my dad lets me help him hoe the garden even when I don't want to. I thought that was pretty insightful, right? Uh, another kid told the paper, he said, my dad saved my life. And they thought, man, this is going to be like this great story. We need to dive into this a little more. So they begin to ask questions. How did your dad save your life? And he said, well, my dad took me down to the lake and he wanted to see if I could swim. So he threw me into the lake and I couldn't swim. <laughs> my dad saved my life is what he said. <laughs> so, a little bit different. Wasn't exactly what they were thinking of. Uh, another one I loved, he said, my dad's a farmer and my dad smells like a cow. He said, so when I come into the house and it smells like there's a cow in the house, I loved how he said this. He said, I know that my dad is home and I'm glad. I thought that was really cool. Uh, why? Because children love their fathers. They do. And dads, we are blessed because um, we're all broken, we're messed up, we're not perfect, we make mistakes, and yet our kids still love us even in those moments. And there's nothing in the world like the love of a mother, but at the same time, there's nothing quite like the love of a father either. Fathers are critical. They are important. Um, there, there's a pediatric uh, in the United States. He's one of the leading writers on, on new things that are coming out and. He's written a lot of articles or a lot of books. Uh, his name's Dr. Brazelton, and he wrote this about the importance of fatherhood. He said, where there's an active father, the child grows up to be more successful at school, to have a better sense of humor, and to get along better with other kids. He believes in himself and is better motivated to learn. Man, that's an impact. That's, that's, that's serious impact, the role of a father. And as fathers, every one of us, when we became a father, there's not a single one of us in here that, that said, you know what, I'm, I want to do a horrible job at this. Like, I'm not going to give this my all, right? I mean, every one of us as dads, when we had our first child especially, we said, I'm going to be the best father ever. I want to be a great father. Every one of us, we want to do better. Yet, we're still broken. We're still messed up. We make mistakes. We're not perfect. And we screw things up as we go on. And, and I'm a grandfather now. Not only do I have kids, but I have grandkids. And guess what? I'm still messing things up. But yet, I love the fact that God still has enough mercy and grace to overcome all of that. Um, this morning, I want to encourage you, no matter where you're at in your, your fatherhood, I want to encourage you with a story of uh, a guy by the name of Cornelius in Scripture. He, he's an amazing role model for us as fathers, and, and he was almost the perfect dad. I want to, I want to remind you, almost not quiet, almost. And so I want us to take a look at this story, and then we're going to draw some stuff out of it, and I hope that it applies to us right here and right now, not just as fathers, but us as Christians. Let's take a look at this. Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 1, it says, in Caesarea there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian reg regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. 
He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. The angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon, Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and he sent them off to Joppa. I love this story because we're, we're told about this guy by the name of Cornelius. And we know from uh, this text that he's, a, he's an officer. He's in the army. Some of your translations say that he's a Roman centurion, which means that he's a high-ranking officer. It means that he would be over like 100 soldiers. And he's in Caesarea, which is on the coast there on the Mediterranean in, in Israel. And uh, he's supposed to send men, the angel tells him to send men down to Joppa, which is about 30, 32 miles south on the coast to Joppa. That's where Peter's at, to bring Peter back up. Now, si- um, Cornelius, it's interesting to know that he is a centurion. He's a, a Roman officer. He's not a local. He's in a foreign country. And yet we, we find out that he is a really, really good guy. Like, there's some great qualities there. Not only is he a man among men, because you don't get to the level of centurion without seeing considerable battle time. I mean, this guy is war-hardened. He's been in and out of battles. He's, ra- he's uh, risen to the ranks. And now he's in a foreign land overseeing an entire division of men trying to keep the Jews um, suppressed, keep them under the rule of Rome. And that's his, uh, of Rome. That's his job. And yet, even in that, we're going to find out that as the text goes on, that he's well thought of. And actually, he has a good reputation among the Jews, which, by the way, must have been some kind of a feat because he's, again, a Roman soldier trying to make sure that they don't revolt, that they stay under the rule of Rome. And yet, even then, he has a great reputation with the Jews in the area. It says a lot about him. We know that he is a really, really good guy. Uh, We're told most... Uh, Most of the detail comes in verse 2. And so I want us to go back and look at that real quick here in verse 2. It says, He was devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. Now, I think there's so much in this one verse. So here's what I want to do. I want to unpack some of this today. And especially as fathers, I want us to take a look at this and see if these are characteristics that we can apply to our own life. Now, I'm just going to tip you off. Um, It's going to take a twist at the end because I I remember I told you he was almost a perfect father. Uh, Even with all of this, I'm going to show you that it's not enough. All right? So I hope that this is encouraging to all of us as fathers today. Uh, So let's take a look at this. First thing that we notice in verse 2 is that he is a devout man. Cornelius is a devout man. Devout just means that he has deep religious commitment. Cornelius was, uh, he had deep religious conviction. He was a, a man of integrity and honor. He, he lived a holy lifestyle. It's one of the reasons why he had a good reputation among not just the people in his household, but the, the soldiers that he was over and the people that he ruled as well and the slaves within his own household. You'll find out about them later in the text as well. But he had a great reputation with all of them. Why? Because he was a righteous man. He was a devout man. Now, we're told that several places in Scripture, um, Enoch, 
You know, there's several people that are spelled out in Scripture that they speak like this about. One of them that comes to mind is uh, Job. If you go to the book of Job, you'll actually see a conversation that's recorded between God and Satan. And God himself speaks about Job. And this is what he says. And tell me, men, tell me if this isn't something you'd want your God to say about you. But God says, um, have you considered my servant Job? He says, there's no one like him on the earth. And he goes on to describe him. He says, Job is upright. He's blameless, fearing God and turning away from evil. I read that and I go, man, that's a devout person. Cornelius was devout. Um, We need to be devout. We need to, to... commit ourselves to God so that we can have a foundation, so that we we have something to build our life on. See, when we have religious conviction, it it gives us something to to ground our life in. It gives us direction. It becomes like a rudder on a ship to direct us in our lives. And it's a foundation that doesn't move. It's something we can base all of our decisions on as we move forward in life. We need to be devout fathers. Now, another thing that comes up It says he was a devout, God-fearing man. So Cornelius was also a God-fearing man. God-fearing just means that he had respect for God, that he paid reverence to God. Cornelius showed God respect and honor that was due him. And we need to do the same thing. We need to respect God. Uh, That's one of the traits, I think, that's disappearing from our world today, isn't it? Like, we, didn't, we no longer respect God. We no longer have fear for God Almighty. First Peter chapter 2 says, Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Who's the king? Who's the king? Somebody in the first service said Elvis. Uh, <laughs> wrong, right? We know who the real king is, right? It's God. Now, um, let me ask you a question. You guys have all seen the movies, right? When they enter the throne room to, to pay homage to the king, to respect, to... to um, to come in and request something from the king, what do they do? They bow down. Do you realize that's what we do every Sunday when we worship? That's what worship literally means, is to lean in, to bow ourselves before our king. That's what worship is. It's an active thing. It's not something that we just come in and go, eh, I'm here, right? We need to, re- we need to pay respect and reverence to God. Hebrews chapter 12 says it this way. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. I used to misunderstand that idea of the fear of God. I thought it meant that we were terrorized by God, and it's not what it means at all. It means to have a healthy respect of understanding who God is and who I am in light of who God is. Be still and know that I am God is what he tells us. I like to say it, uh, be still and know that I'm not God, right? And yet, so often, we take the role of God. We need to have that that God-fearing characteristic within our lives. Fathers, we should respect God. The way that you do that is you set aside time to get to know him. You get into the word of God. You, You see what God wants from you to do. When we enter into worship, we come in with this realization of who our God is, that he is the king, and we bow ourselves down before him, and we honor him, and we pay respect to him. When we make decisions in our life, we ask the question, what is it that God wants from me? That should be the test for every decision that we make. Cornelius was a devout, God-fearing man. And then the next line says, as was everyone in his household. Sometimes we overlook this one, but this one is so important to understand that Cornelius was a family man. Just like you, his fathers, he was a family man. Cornelius feared God as well as did his entire household. 
See, Cornelius did not view his, his faith, his religious duty, as something that, that was to be private, something just between him and God. No, he said, no, this is going to be part of not just me, but everyone that I'm responsible for. It's going to be part of our entire family. It reminds me of Joshua. When Moses turns the rain over to, reins over to Joshua to lead the, the nation of Israel, and they go into the promised land, there's this defining moment when Joshua stands up before the entire nation, and he makes a stand, and he says in Joshua 24, he says, as for me, and he doesn't stop there. Notice that. He says, as for me and my household, Everybody that I love, everybody that I'm in charge of, everybody that I'm responsible for, everybody that I need to care for, everybody, me and my household, we will what? Serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. And I talk to fathers all the time about this. And I hear, you know, I'm a Christian, I believe in God, and I've just kind of let my kids figure it out on their own, and I hope that they find their way to God. And I I just want to scream and I want to go, no, no. No, that's your responsibility. For me and my household, you're supposed to lead them spiritually. You're supposed to direct them. Don't let everything else, social media and the world and all their friends direct them. You direct them. That's your job. And I hear from so many fathers that go, is that really scripture? Is that what I'm supposed to do? Yes, Ephesians chapter 6 says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. Rather, what? Bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Yes, it's your job. It's our job to make this decision for our families, to lead them in that way, to where they want to follow us in that. But see, it starts with us living it out, being authentic, living it out in front of them. We need to lead our families spiritually. We need to be in the word of God. You know, there's something amazing happens when you sit down and you read the Bible with your kids. There's something amazing when you sit down with your family and you pray with them. I want you to make that a commitment that you're going to start doing that so that your whole family is on board. Um, It goes on in verse 2 to say, he gave generously to the poor. Cornelius was a generous man. He, He gave to people that were in need around him. Cornelius was known as a person who had a heart for those who weren't weren't doing well. He, he had a deep, caring uh, attitude toward people, even people that he was supposed to be o- over, like the Jews. That's why he had such a good reputation with them, because he was generous even with them. And I think most Roman soldiers probably saw them as slaves or just a conquered people, but he didn't. He saw them as people, and he, he wasn't willing just to go, well, I hope somebody cares for him. I hope somebody takes care of him. No, He was willing to actually get involved and do something about himself. He was generous, and we need to be generous as well. Uh, I love the passage in Acts chapter 4 where it talks about the early church, and it says that there there wasn't a single person in there that was lacking because of the generosity within the church. That's the way it should be, that we're generous with each other, that we care for one another. There shouldn't be a single person that's in need due to our generosity. Dads, let me just tell you, your kids need to see you be generous. They need that. And I'm not just talking money. We get hung up on money all the time. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your skill and your wisdom and your knowledge, your know-how. You're just sharing that with the people around you, sharing that with them. They need to see you be generous. Um, Cornelius was a generous man, but also it said, and prayed regularly to God. So Cornelius was not just generous, but he was a praying man as well. 
Cornelius prayed to God always. It says that, that he prayed regularly, like he was on a schedule. He, he was following uh, the instructions, like what Jesus did. He would get away in the mornings, and he would spend time with his father. That's what Cornelius was doing. He was spending time with God on a regular basis. Now, Luke doesn't tell us what the prayers were all about, but they must have been powerful. Uh, how, how can I say that? Because in the second part of verse 4, the angel says this. Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. God took notice of his prayers. God took notice of his gifts. We too need to be praying people. Fathers, let me just challenge you. If there's ever a person that needs prayer, it's us as dads. Amen? We need it. We need it as we lead our families. Psalm 55 says, evening and morning and noon, I will pray and I will cry aloud to you. All day long, constant prayer. We need to be in constant prayer. We need time in prayer just with our Heavenly Father so that we know how to be a father. Fathers, we need to be men of prayer. I want to challenge you with something. We've challenged you with this a hundred times. And, and most recently, Pastor Mike was up here during the marriage series and he challenged you with this. I hope you're, you're finally catching on and getting this right. But here's the challenge. We want you to pray with your family. Pray with your wife. Pray with your kids. There's something incredible that happens when you pray with your spouse and you pray with your kids. You know what happens? They get to hear your heart. And when they pray, you get to hear theirs. It's invaluable. Cornelius was a devout man. He was a God-fearing man. He was a family man. He was a generous man. And he was a praying man. He was a good man. Would everyone agree with that? And if you knew somebody like this today, wouldn't you go, that's a great guy. That's, that's a good man. But yet, here's what's amazing about this story. As I read through this, it hit me. He was still missing something. The angel tells him, look, I, I want you to send some men down to Joppa, and I want you to go get Peter, because Peter's going to come back. And, and so he sends these men off, and they go get Peter, and they bring Peter back. And, and why would they need Peter? He's a good man. He's devout. He's God-fearing. He's, he's a family man. He's generous. He's praying. What else does he need? The angel told Cornelius, go get Peter because Peter will tell you how you and your entire household can be saved. Do you know what the angel is saying in that moment? You might be religious, you might be generous, you might be praying, all of it, but Cornelius, you're still a lost man. You're still missing something. Now, I might surprise you, especially after everything that we've talked about, that Cornelius was missing something, but he was missing something that he needed to be saved. That surprises us because he was a moral man. He was a good, moral man. Uh, we look at this story and we go, hey, I'm, I'm just like that. I, I, like, I try to live my life the best way I know how. I don't cheat. I don't lie. I, I don't gamble. I don't do all those things. I, but yet there's more to being saved than being a good, moral person. And Cornelius shows us that. Uh, he was a sincere man. He was devout. He was reverent. He was trying to do what God wanted him to do. He wasn't even a hypocrite. But see, there's more to being saved than just being sincere. And Con Cornelius shows us that. He was a worshiping man. He was religious. And no doubt he made sacrifices. And, and it says that he prayed regularly. And, and yet there's more to being saved than just being a worshiper or being a prayer, a person of prayer. He was a charitable man. He was generous in, in what he gave to the people around him. He was the type of person that would have built hospitals and schools and all these things of philanthropists. And we would have said, oh, what an amazing man. And yet there's more to being saved than being charitable. And Cornelius shows us that. What was Cornelius missing? He was missing Jesus. 
to know and to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. So therefore, the angel says, you need Peter to come and share that with you. They go get Peter, and they bring Peter to, to Cornelius, and he walks in, and he begins to preach the gospel, and he begins to tell them about this God that loved them so much that he sent his son, and his son died on the cross for him. And not only did he die on the cross so that they could be forgiven of their sins, he paid the price that they couldn't pay, but he rose again, and they can have eternal life, and he's preaching the gospel. And in the middle of this entire amazing message that Peter is giving to Cornelius, his family, his slaves, his soldiers, and literally in Scripture, it says many people gathered. Like Cornelius said, Peter's coming. I want everyone here. Everyone's hearing this message of of Peter. And in the middle of this, take a look at what happens in verse 44. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterwards, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. I love this story. I mean, Peter comes in, he begins to preach the gospel of Jesus and the Holy Spirit is poured out on all these people that, that have, they're not Jewish. They're called Gentiles. You know what Gentile means? It means anybody other than the Jews. And they thought it was just for the Jews and yet these people received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in the middle of all this, I think this happens to show Peter and those other Jewish believers that Gentiles were acceptable candidates for the salvation that Jesus offered. It wasn't just for them anymore. It was for everyone. It was for you and for me. And this is great news. Jesus came for every one of us. And when Peter sees this, he realizes, man, this salvation is bigger than just us. We need to baptize them. And he orders that the whole, the whole group of them is baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And you know what happens in that moment? P, uh, Cornelius goes from being a lost man to being a saved man. He gets what he was missing. Cornelius was almost the perfect father, but he was missing something. He was a great man, probably beyond any one of us. But he was missing Jesus. He didn't have Jesus in his life. Dads, let me just tell you something truly, truly. Your kids need something more than just a father. They need a godly father. They need you to lead them spiritually. See, daddies can't do all that they need to do outside of Jesus Christ. Um, I was doing some research for this, and I got into this. Uh, It's so funny when you're doing research for messages, how often you'll go on these bunny trails, and you're following these things, and, and you end up in places you never thought. I ended up on this blog of dad hacks. Like all these dads were, you know, putting in their greatest tools as a father. And one of them caught my attention. I just loved it. He said, you know what? He said, I've convinced my kids that they can hypnotize me to go to sleep when I'm chasing them. He says, it's their favorite game now. And he says, "Um, I can literally lay down in the middle of the hallway and take a 10-minute nap. And they won't bug me at all because it will break their spell. He's like, this is the greatest win of my entire dad life. And I thought, that, that is a great one. I wish I had thought of that when my boys were younger, because we could definitely, you guys are going to use it now, aren't you? Uh, yeah. But let me just tell you something. Uh, dads, you really want the best dad hack ever? Let me tell you what it is. It's when you receive Jesus Christ 
and you're forgiven of your sins and you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Because in that moment, you're no longer doing this dad thing on your own. You have your heavenly Father helping you, who's guiding you and leading you, even in places that you're unsure of and you're not quite you know, sure of the next step. God, what should I be doing? And what's great about that is it takes pressure off of you. Now it's on God and you're just following him in that moment. The Holy Spirit will actually give you words to say when you can't think of the right words to say. He'll actually give you forgiveness when you've got none. He'll give you grace to extend when you're out of it. He'll give you unconditional love to be able to love your kids sometimes the way that he's loved you. It's amazing. It's the best dad hack ever is just being in tune with the Holy Spirit. Now, of all the things that we've said uh, that, that was great about Cornelius this morning, can I just tell you one more thing about him? I love this about him. That when he knew what to do, he did it. Like he didn't wait around. He was a man of action. Maybe that's why he was such a good commander in the army. He didn't wait around. He didn't say, you know what, I'll get to it someday. When the angel told him, look, this is what you're missing. This is what you need. What did he do? Immediately he called me and he said, go get him. We need him here. And he took care of it. He knew that he was setting an example for his family. He knew that he, he needed to be willing to stand up for what was right, to stand up and be counted for Jesus because he set the tone for his family. Men, I want you to be men of action as fathers. Uh, we've got a photo booth out in the lobby. It's covered in tools, and good luck figuring out what all those tools are. But uh, tools in and of themselves are designed to do one thing, to make a particular job a little bit easier, to help you do it better and faster and more effective. That's what tools are. Um, you want a tool that will help you to do the, the most difficult job you could ever think of, which is fatherhood, pick up the word of God and begin to read. Begin to read, study, learn about Jesus. Allow him to fill you with his spirit and watch what he does, not just in your life, but in the life of your family, of, of the people that you're responsible for, that you're called to care for. Now, no doubt, today on Father's Day 2022, your kids have probably got you a great gift. I bet you, because I've gotten a lot of them over the years, right? Ties and everything. I'm sure they got you a great gift. But do you realize today you have an opportunity to give them even a better gift? To give them the gift of a godly father and a godly home. Um, I want to move into a time of prayer, of communion. Uh, let, me, let me pray for us, and then I'm going to kind of share with you what we're going to do next, all right? Heavenly Father, we come to you right now as your people. God, I specifically um, lift up our dads in this room right now, and you know each and every one of them. You know their minds, their hearts. God, I pray that you would draw them close, that you would let them know that um, regardless of where they're at in this, this whole fatherhood role, uh, whether they, they feel like they're killing it, whether they feel like um, they've messed it all up, God, let them know that you're right with them, that you've got this. Lord, I pray that we would be in tune with your spirit today that we would lean into you even more, knowing that you are a heavenly Father that cares for every need, that can handle whatever we give you. God, we thank you for all these things. We thank you for our fathers today. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and everyone said. We're gonna move into a time of communion. Now, here's, here's what's gonna happen. There's two things. Um, if you are a dad, uh, maybe you have been religious, maybe you're generous, 
Maybe you're all those things, but you haven't made Jesus your Savior. I don't want you to leave here today without that missing piece because that's that's the most important. Uh, I'm going to be in the back of the room and I would just love to to share with you how you can find that missing piece, how you can make Jesus uh, the king of your life and you can start this process with him, this journey of becoming more and more like Christ every day. So that's the first thing. Uh, For the the rest of the fathers in here, maybe, uh, maybe you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, but you haven't uh, you haven't been following his footsteps like you should, or maybe you're a little convicted because you're like, man, I need to lead my family a little bit better spiritually. Um, I, I want to I challenge you to do something today. Now, if you're a spouse, if you're kids, if you're here with your dad today, whatever it is, um, can I just challenge you, honor your dads today, okay? Regardless of what's happened in the past, honor them today. If your dad is able to step out and lead today, let him do that and follow him in that, okay? Because dads, here's what I want you to do. Now, you can take communion by yourself if you want. That's, that's not a problem. But if you're here with your dad, I would encourage you as a family, just gather up. And dads, if you've never led communion, it's okay. We made it very simple. Uh, we're going to put the scripture up on the screen. And all you have to do is go back, get elements, pass it out to your family, find a place. And then um, there's a card on the communion tables. Just read through the card. That's all you have to do. We've made it very simple. You can read through the scriptures and you can take the elements at at that right time. We've made it so simple. And so dads, I just want to encourage you. If you've never taken that step, this is a step in the right direction of just leading your family spiritually. And so I hope that uh, you'll just take some time, go do that. So we're going to release you. You can go to the back. There's tables set up. Find a place, take communion. We'll give you plenty of time. And then as everyone kind of winds down and comes back, we're going to wrap up with, uh, with a little bit of worship today. Um, so if you want, go ahead and start heading back. Um, dads, lead your families.